What are you doing here? It's challenge day. You know we've influenced nearly every facet of white America. From our music to our style of dress, walk, talk, dress, mannerisms, we enrich your very existence. You should say thank you, man. Welcome to the Black Blue Podcast. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and I greet you with the greetings of peace. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. For those of you who are uh, observing the fast of Ramadan, Ramadan Mubarak, uh, blessed Ramadan to you and your families. I pray that this is a month of healing, of purification, that you come out of it with greater intent of purpose uh, and direction and just renew, uh, inshallah, with God's permission. Uh, this is the space where we explore and we pay care attention to exclusively uh, black narratives, uh, looking at the experience of black people here in the United States um, in general and black Muslims in particular. Uh, so I am happy to have joining me one of my longtime friends, uh, a phenomenal uh, activist, uh, educator, author, author of the Brothers in Law series. So go get that if you haven't done so already. Uh, and she wears a whole bunch of other hats and is a mother of six. Uh, so we welcome her back as usual, uh, Sister Layla Abdullah Pulos. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Ramadan Mubarak. Ramadan Saeed Mubarak. So we are in it. Uh, let's just jump right in because we are in, this is uncharted territory. Yeah. Right. We, we have never seen anything like this prior to Ramadan, you know, with the COVID, uh, uh, the pandemic, uh, and now being in Ramadan. Like that has drastically changed the way we we function. Um, how has it changed? Not just practice, but how has it how has this impacted your view of Ramadan? Because we've had some really good conversations in the past about just yeah. just relating to Ramadan and what you feel like you, the way you're supposed to. And what has it done for you? Well, you know, I, I I've had a lot of illusions kind of like dissipate. Uh, normally Ramadan is a very social time of year. Okay. There is a lot of communal things that are happening. I tended to to avoid those things. Uh, I have social anxiety and I've had to deal with certain issues in my community. And I always had this idea that if I had uh, my family to myself and everything like that, that every, my Ramadan would be more peaceful and uh, less hectic because I have to get everybody ready to go out. I don't have to like send food out or, or anything like that. And that is not the case. This has really been interesting uh, and stressful, I think, even more so. I think because a lot of times we have, our lives tend to be very compartmentalized. Uh, yeah. physically mm -hmm. for a lot of people they go to work they go to school you know uh, Muslims you go to the masjid you go to your classes and everything like that and then you come home <laughs> right and so that becomes your place of solace and solitude and so with this pandemic with these lockdowns and New York has been uh, in self-quarantine and now even more so like you, they, they're requiring you to wear face masks when you go out. They're really discouraging people from going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So now your home now becomes the focal point 
for all of the stuff that you do. Okay. And I thought that I had it covered because I work from home anyway, but the people, everyone else in my life didn't. And now they are. And so that all of those stress, there's no, there's no place of solace in yeah. this entire house. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that puts a, that can put a strain on your Ramadan because even though it's a very communal month, there are those touch points of solitude and just being alone with your Lord and being able to dicker and, and having a, a space of your own. And so now everyone is in that space. You know, but you know what that means? That, that means like for me, cause I, you know, I completely get that. And I think most people that are, will listen and are listening uh, will understand that. But that really means that it's like, you gotta be that much more deliberate about going into yourself um, and it makes me think about how you could be lonely in a crowd mm. and, but in this situation, I don't know. I don't know why it's different. Well, I guess the difference is it's being home. Right. And usually when you're out in the crowd, you're around strangers anyway, uh, or you could be around strangers. But for me, once again, I kind of go back to that, that, that notion that it's, it's really intentional and deliberate um it's a it's a delib deliberate process of going into myself mm -hmm. right and that takes that takes a lot of uh of, of effort you know because if you want to be in a room by yourself <laughs> right now <laughs> you want to be by yourself right now well it's very hard i think um or maybe not right because we still want to be connected too it's, well uh, it, it's kind of a dichotomy catch. They don't let yeah. you detach. I think when you're a mom, they don't let you detach when you're a mom. Mm -hmm. uh, um, there's a tie that you constantly have. And if you're the primary caregiver and the mom and you're sitting in this space, they invade your space. They're not going to let you detach. <laughs> you're vested in every skirmish, squabble, headache, uh, you know, everything that happens in their lives, you know, and I have now uh, seven people, mm. seven people in this house who consistently and constantly are going to make sure that I don't detach. And that can be an ex a, a tremendous strain on, yeah. on, on an individual. You know, I've, I've been watching my Facebook a lot and I think people are starting to realize exactly what it is that stay-at-home moms go through, mm -hmm. but it's even it's even bad for stay-at-home moms. It's not just a matter of where you're used to this thing. It's not the same thing. The dynamics are just not the same. So it becomes very, very hard to detach because people will not let you detach right. and, and separate and have your own. And like you said, these are people, this is your family. These are people for whom you have a very strong emotional connection. You're like, so, I want to miss you. I don't get a chance to yeah, miss you. Yeah, I don't get I to. See well, I miss Papa Bear because I don't get a chance to see him, but his kids are sore here. <laughs> hey, go outside. <laughs> go do something with yourself. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and they feel it too. So it's not just me. Like, they feel it too, you know, for, for the, the kids that everyone shares a room with everybody else. Mm -hmm. So they don't have a space either. And so right. you start to feel that tension that they feel that they just want to be by themselves. 
and it really isn't a place for them to be by themselves, you know? And so I think that that's a big challenge this Ramadan. If you are on lockdown and you're not home and you're home with everybody else, where do you find that space to yourself? Where do you so, have that space? So to here's yourself? an idea, right? Because our difficult times, they cause us to become more creative, to lean into our creativity, right? Making something out of nothing. And when I think about spaces where, uh, especially we have multiple family members, you know, under one, in one dwelling, how do you address the, the need for, for solitude in, in that, uh, you know, in that type of uh, uh, space? And could it be, could it be that, you know, if there's a, there's a room that we're going to say, okay, this is the, the quiet room, mm-hmm. right? And we're going to turn this particular room so everybody has some time in it. You've got uh, an hour, two hours, you know, out the day, or we do 15 minute, you know, burst or, you know, half an hour, whatever it is, but ways that you re, uh, re kind of reclaim or, or, or reappropriate uh, the space that you're in so that you can have that very real need for, for solace uh, and for, um, you know, for solitude, I should say, for solitude. So, you know, I, I think, you know, are there any, are there any, um, I don't know, what, what do you think about that? I mean, you know. Well, I think it's a good idea, but there's two things that have, two things definitely have to happen in order for that to be successful. Yeah. Uh, first of all, there has to be mutual respect that so that the people around you understand that. So you understand that for them, they understand that for you, and they're not going to breach uh, this whole idea of okay, well, this is their their, their time to themselves type right. of thing. They have to they have to respect that. They have to appreciate it for themselves, and they have to appreciate it for you. That's one thing. Right. If you have people that do not have the ability to do that, okay young people, like your little ones. You know, I have yeah. a seven and a nine-year-old. <laughs> I, I got all teenagers. <laughs> uh, teenagers too, that sometimes the teenagers are worse than yeah. the little yeah. ones are. Uh, if you're the primary caregiver of someone that's uh, developmentally disabled, or, you know, you have, uh, or you're taking care of someone that's elderly or something like that, you know, uh, has a chronic illness, you know, there needs to be someone else that's going to take take the reins so that you can have that, that 15, 20 minutes, whatever time. That, is, that becomes very important as well. And I think oftentimes we may lose sight, partners may lose sight of that, uh, especially male partners. Well, the whatever part, whichever partner is not the primary caregiver. Okay, right. Let's put it that way. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes it's not, <laughs> it's not the woman. Whichever partner is not the primary caregiver needs to understand that and appreciate that and take the reins mm-hmm. so that the partner who is the primary caregiver can then have that quiet and that solitude. And that may be challenging. I mean, right now, my partner, my husband, he is an essential worker. He hasn't been in this house for a month because he doesn't want to bring the virus into the house. And, you know, it isn't, it is at his job. Wow. And so he doesn't want to bring the virus out. So the person that would take the reins is not there, you know, and shout out to all the essential workers out there. They really yeah, are. Indeed. 
Indeed. You know, doing it and uh, their family and their families because it takes a lot. You know, I was just talking to one uh, of my friends whose husband is a surgeon. And, you know, he does not, when he is on shift, when he comes home, he doesn't stay in the house. They have a separate uh, living space, like an apartment. So that's great. So he stays there for a week because he doesn't want to spread the virus either. I've, I've seen that. I've seen that. Because yeah. so it's just like what happens then when, it, you know, you you're an essential worker, your partner's an essential worker and you have this family that you're trying to take care of. And what how do you then do that? That can be a challenge as well. So there, there has to be a new set of logistics that take place, you know, mm-hmm. in, during Ramadan and how you're doing Ramadan. I think that for people who whose hearts are tied to this the the whole idea of, of community events during Ramadan, a lot of people look forward to those things. Oh yeah. You know, how do they adjust to that and 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 still have the solitude in a productive way instead of it feeling lonely because now they're mourning that loss of community interaction. You know, yeah. that needs to be respected and appreciated as well. So there's a lot about this pandemic and Ramadan. There are a lot of layers to it. And, if you can, and, it, and, and, and it can be very difficult. So it is definitely a test. Well, we've seen, we've seen some of the, the, the creative responses. And of course, they were, there was a lot of pushback. And there's still some pushback from some folks with regard to uh, incorporating uh, technology into into our ritual uh, practice, you know. At first, it was a whole lot of folks. You can't do Juma uh, via live stream, you know. You can't Facebook live Juma, you know. If you're not in the same place, it ain't Juma. And then, which I find ironic as a woman. <laughs> I know, I know the argument. Massage... I know the argument you're about to make. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> then praying behind a screen. Then right, looking at a screen. We're on another floor of the masjid, and there's a television screen. So I'm like, so that invalidates our prayer. Like, are you you are you for real right yeah, now? Yeah, it was what? not. Yeah, it was that, not it was consistent. Like, yeah, it was not no consistent. There's no consistency when it comes. To, I can understand if it's just like, okay, well, this is Saudi Arabia, and you know, you can't do tarawih from telecast to Saudi Arabia. It's two different time zones. This person's not praying anymore. They're sleeping. Right. <laughs> they try to pray. But the, this whole idea of well, you can't have Juma a live stream Juma prayer. Mm-hmm. And so then what does that say about all the massages in the in the country where the sisters are in a totally separate room and it's just a television? And yep. you're hearing you can only hear the 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 talk beers and everything over a microphone. Mm-hmm. So what does that say? You yeah. know, so. well see, okay, so that's that's a different span and and albeit a, a that is definitely a valid one, right? But the argument that I wanna focus on, that I'm focusing on is the uh, fact that we've had to lean into the blessings of technology, yeah, uh, full scale, right? So mm-hmm. everybody is behind the screen right now, yeah. Um, and and I think with that creativity, that creative spirit, I'm seeing that as one of the blessings of Ramadan. And mm-hmm. you know, so like now it's like I'm on this hunt for like the silver linings. Um, and yeah. I believe I started I started this Ramadan really thinking about. Uh, not just peace and solitude, but thinking about battle, right? Because we know, uh, and I've been 
posting this and talking about this, that some of the most decisive battles have been fought during the month of Ramadan. Yes. Battle of Badr was fought during Ramadan, right? Um, and Ramadan itself being, you know, referring to heat, heat is uncomfortable. Uh, there is something in this Ramadan that is going to be memorable, uh, unlike any, it's, this is unlike any other Ramadan that we've gone through. But I think that maybe one of the purposes is to separate us from something. I don't know exactly what that is, but mm. from a perspective, from a practice, from, uh, from, from something that has kept us from being, um, from being the, the, you know, a better version of ourselves individually and as a society. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it over to you after. I mentioned one of the beautiful things that we've been able to see in this Ramadan and actually prior to it is that we have turned our focus of, of, of calling those uh, people heroes. We've, we've turned our focus from those who, um, and I don't want to just blanket, but we understand the idea, you know, militarism, um, placing our, you know, giving our salute to only those who wear the uniform uh, to those who are, dedicating themselves to healing people, right? To mm-hmm. our, to making sure that, you know, we get the services we need. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that, that shift. Um, yeah. So th- those are some of the silver linings and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look for the silver linings in a difficult space. Oh, I need some silver linings. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the beautiful things about this Dean, about Islam, about this faith, um, is that I think that this this whole pandemic and Ramadan is showing is that there is our Lord is merciful and there's so much versatility in the way that we can worship Him. Yeah. There are some things that are uh, are cornerstones, foundations, mm-hmm. and beyond those foundations, we can be a, a versatile people mm-hmm. in the way that we commune with each other and the way that we connect with our creator. And I think that one of the things that this pandemic has done is it's kind of shaken up some stagnant ideas about how to commune with each other, how to engage in fellowship. Yes. And how to worship. You know, now we don't have a choice. Now it's just a matter of, what happens when it's just like, you can't go, you can't do it. You can't go to the mosque. It's not happening. Um, what are some other ways that we can do this? And what does that do to our faith when we're presented with a shift, a, 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 a dramatic and immediate shift in the way that we do things as Muslims? Now, like I said, Allah is merciful and we should be able to adjust and adapt fairly easily. You know, when you even think like, like about the Salat itself, you know, we stand and we make such an well, what happens when you can't do that? You know, when you right. sit, well, what happens when you can't do that? When you lay down, you know what I mean? So it's just like, when you look at how it is that we can engage in any bad in worship, you know, these adjustments should be something that we can ease, which we can easily adapt. And we should 
give pause and think about what it means if we are having a really hard time in doing that and we're trying to fight it and we're being hard-headed <laughs> and, and trying to engage in stuff that we should engage in because it is going to impact the, the safety and the well-being of those around us. And as Muslims, that's something that we're supposed to hold sacrosanct. You know, the Islam said that a Muslim is one from whom other Muslims are safe from their tongue and from their hand. So it's like yeah. our actions have consequences and we need to really kind of think about that and how, how it is that we can avoid harming each other. And that may mean finding new and creative ways, which is wonderful, and, but also in adjusting emotionally yeah. to yeah. those new and creative ways yeah. as well. Yes, uh, as I always will say it. Um, and I'm thinking that this is also a time for, um, for us to really be, as we're looking for Allah's mercy, for us to really try to be merciful uh, to each other. I mean, and man, being, being, being intentionally merciful that's while you're under you, duress. That's hard. That's It is. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> to have that patience and that mercy when you're like cooped up with each other, yeah. you know? Um, and so we have to kind of like sit back and think about that as well. You know, it was funny because I was watching Omar Suleiman Mm-hmm. And his kids were in the background on the other side of the door. <laughs> He's like, and so he was cool about it. He's like, you probably hear my kids <laughs> on the other side of the door. I was like, yeah, everyone can hear everybody's kids because you're all stuck yeah, right. together. So, it, but it's hard. That's a hard thing because now you got to go out. You have to deal with all of that stuff. And so it's very, very hard. And I know that this is a month of mercy. And I know it's a month of patience. But that's a law's mercy. <laughs> the rest of us have to really, we have to really work at it. We have to really work at it. And, but see, um, we 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 recognize Allah's mercy in ourselves first, right? But we also recognize that we receive Allah's mercy through our relationships, that those should be a source of comfort. And just like you said, we've been able to redefine our sense of connectivity and group consciousness, right? That that's really what we're understanding is the is the focal point. That's why we can have a, a Juma now where everybody's behind the screen because we know we are united in purpose and consciousness that mm-hmm. that's not just about the place. So as, as families, as people in, in, in the same dwelling, there's a point where you have to be intentionally conscious of the, have a group consciousness and, and recognizing and saying that, you know, we're all feeling the difficulties and the stresses of these, but how can we collectively, how can we address them in ways that allow us to continue to be merciful to one another? Right. That to me is like the ultimate mercy. And I'm going to, I want to stop with this. I, so all the reading that I've been doing, uh, that we've been all doing this month, inshallah, I began with al as a looking at it as the aspirational community, mm. uh, that that is the goal that everything that comes behind that there's a reference to it there's there's some reference uh to how that fits within us attaining it or seeing how we've fallen short um of that you know throughout not just the, the scriptural history but just the history uh just in general in our own own lives so 
we're trying to get to a point where we are that group big you know or small that is aware of its uh of its success it being hinged on um the the group effort that there's not an individual that's going to be successful without the group so um that's that's what i'm continually uh pushing you know going back to that aspirational representation of of a merciful community and a grateful community and we got to try to be that in our homes but that takes everybody being really on the same page and it's hard to be on the same page because this has sent it's sending everybody in different directions okay and everybody's every even in the family everybody's experiencing it differently yeah you know um I have, I have, I have new adults who, you know, are dealing with job loss, uh, dealing with having to have shifts in the way that they interact in the community and everything like that. And that's a hard thing for them. And I try to understand it, but it's hard for me to understand because it's like, dang, my husband's not here. <laughs> You're going through it. And, and, and I really don't have the patience to deal with you right now because I'm mourning my own stuff too. So it's just like, it's hard to get on that same page. You yeah. know, it has been helpful that, you know, in the beginning of Ramadan, one of the things that Papa Bear said, my husband, let's call him Papa Bear. <laughs> one of the, he came, he actually came to the, to the steps and he gathered everyone on the porch and he stood at the bottom of the steps at the beginning of Ramadan. And so he gave us words of encouragement and everything like that. So that was one thing that was stable because that's something he does every year. But, you know, we did establish like the living room, we moved the the sofa out and everything like that so that there is a space for people to to go and just kind of like sit and have quietness and everything. So you was already ahead of the game. No, I'm not ahead of the game because I can sit there and it'll be like, Ma, Ma, (laughs) Ma. I'm not ahead of my own game. (laughs) (laughs) You got the infrastructure. I got the infrastructure, but we are working on trying to get on those, on those same pages. And it's just like, it takes a lot of wrangling. Yeah. And it takes a lot of personal reflection that you don't have any control over except with yourself. So I'm watching them like kind of calm down and ease into it and everything like that. It's happening. (laughs) the first few days was hard but it's happening but that's what we do we definitely have to do that and trying to be a better family trying to be a better community you know reconnecting with things i reconnected with my kitchen is what i did my daughter said she's like are you reconnecting with your kitchen i'm so glad you know yeah so it's just like we have to find those those ways of uh dealing with just being here and being stuck and being scared Right. You know, a lot of this is scary and people aren't making it any better with, you know, like protests and uh, uh, house parties and funerals and weddings. Yeah. You know, it's just like people aren't making it like fighting, you know, the struggle that everyone else is going through and trying to stay safe and trying to keep each other safe as a community. What is happening in the broader community, you know, that we're improving so that we could keep each other safe. So it's like a lot of scary stuff that's going on. So, you know, we do have to kind of try to be on that same page. So your, your community is doing Juma. Are you yes. guys doing Tarawi? Uh, we, well, uh, Friday, 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 Saturday, Sunday. Oh, that's nice. 
Yeah, because there's also under these conditions, and it was actually I'm gonna give uh, my sister Dr. Uh, Suad Abdul Khabir uh, a shout out. She was she did this Twitter thread where she was talking about reasons that uh, not to do it, <laughs> right? Not to do live stream, um, and one of them was that um, uh, that this is time, a time of duress, you know just in and of itself, it is already a stressful time. And that uh, this is Sunnah as well. This is something that, you know, uh, uh, the Prophet uh, that, that he would offer at home, you know, as, as well. So we, there's not a mandate for us to think that we have to go out, whether it's physically or virtually, right? And it may be that you might need that time to just, to just decompress. Uh, and if you choose to to do it, you know, you know, alhamdulillah, may Allah reward you. Um, but if, you know, or otherwise, but we don't want to place burdens on people yeah. or or the staff, you know, or the master staff that, you know, uh, that have to uh, accommodate these things. So we found that uh, just doing them those three days mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you get some, those that want to uh, participate, they're able to do so. Uh, but then you have the rest of your week. If you want, if you're doing it at home, you know, yeah. it's good for you. If not, you know. And take the opportunity to really kind of think about: Am I stuck in religiosity, or am I really going to engage in my faith? And this is the way I have. This is the uh, this is the way I have to do it at this moment. Because, like you said, the Prophet was versatile in yeah. his worship. Allah's merciful and the versatility that he has given us when it comes to our worship. So are we stuck? Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to take that as a last word and a point of reflection for us all to, to really think on that. This is a time for us to think. Uh, Layla, thank you as always. Uh, you can follow Layla, uh, Layla Writes Love on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, and make sure you get the book the uh, Brothers-in-Law series, and she's got some other phenomenal work uh, that's out as well. NBA Muslims, Black Muslim Reads. (laughs) Yes, yes, get on that. So uh, with that, I'm going to remind you that you can keep up with us, the Black Blue Podcast, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Black Blue Podcast. Uh, The only distinction on Twitter, there's no E in the glue. So it's Black G-L-U Podcast. Uh, If you have an email you'd like to send us, do so at theblackbluepodcast at gmail.com. And with that, we remind you that if there's any good that has come from this conversation, it is only due to mercy uh, and blessing of Allah, the Most High. Uh, Any mistakes, they are own, and God willing, we will get them cleared up next time. So, we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. First off, all praises Allah saved him. The black man and African from enslavement. So I love this thing can never deface it Cause some of y'all that follow us hella racist Face it, we was taught to hate black So the lighter you is, the more you attract I'm finna pull coats here and choke fear When the smoke clear, we still black, so hold